Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello everybody out there. It is your guy, Dave Neal. Good to hear from you. Yes, this is a Friday uh, afternoon solo episode of The Sap. As you know, we've done, boy, almost seven lucky years of this podcast, mainly releasing them on Mondays or Sundays, but um, I'm trying I'm trying a little uh, back of the nine type of thing here. Play the back nine here if this were golf, and I will be uh, doing the podcast. Um, I don't know if I'll do this for a while just on the Fridays, but anyway, you guys get it. When the podcast comes out, it comes out. Uh, because of the year that we've had... You know, not to complain about my personal circumstance, things have been very good, but because of the year we've had, the podcast just hasn't been operating in the standard terms of having a guest over, having our conversations at the round table. We've moved. We're actually giving that table away. We're trying to get rid of it because um, we moved to a new place and we had that nice wooden table we podcasted at and we left it outside because we were going to uh, get rid of it and it is... uh, uh, seen some weather and uh, now it's going to be junk and we junked our old podcast table. You know, you just wish you had like a uh, storage facility where you could share and save all your mementos in, in the rare chance that you strike it huge one day. So you can be like, this is the original table. This was the microphone I used. And it's like, no, you just got to get rid of it. We don't have the space. What we do have though is a new backyard. It when we got this new place, the backyard is about the same amount of square footage as the actual inside. So coming from a third floor apartment, Tasha and myself have just been thinking of all the ways we can turn the backyard into functional space. Essentially, it is a strip of cement. It is just a backyard with very high walls. It's, um, it's, got, you know, it's got neighbors on three sides, and it's got very high walls kind of insulating it in some sort of fishbowl-type vibe to it. The back wall, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say it goes about 12 feet high. It is, um, it is a nice little fortress we have behind us, and what we've done to sort of uh, humanize this strip of cement is cover about a third of it in AstroTurf, which actually I cannot believe how good it looks. If you haven't followed uh, social media, the AstroTurf looks really good. We got a couple of chaise lounges, a new umbrella, um, a bar top fire pit. So instead of having a kitchen table, we've got this six cedar kind of uh, bar top that uh, has a propane on the inside and you can uh, you can turn the fire pit on in the center. So last night, actually, Tasha and I had our first meal together out at the fire pit. Because if you guys know Los Angeles at all, it is not like Florida. It's not like some hot and humid place 24 hours a day. It gets chilly at night. It gets chilly once the sun goes down. I mean, you know, it gets into the 50s and you got to have little fire pits out ready to go for your entertaining this and that. So we bought a new um, we bought a new sectional couch for the backyard, like, like an outdoor patio couch. And I'm thinking that's going to be where we host our interviews from now on. We'll get rid of the table and it'll just be a couch lounge. It's nice in, uh, you know, nice uh, lighting out there. As long as it's not like a heat wave middle of the day, it should be a good little setup for us. So that's, that's I think, what's going to be happening moving forward. And, you know, just a state of the Dave here, you know, state of the, state of the union. Um, we will be getting back to having guests on the podcast. My thought is maybe twice a month. Maybe I'll do two solos a month and then two guests a month. But um, it's just been tough. It's been tough with Tasha not wanting to obviously uh, contract COVID. She has a job where she won't get paid if she gets sick. She's a freelancer. So she, even if she doesn't show symptoms, if she tests positive, she's done. That's going to cost her a lot of money. So she's been all year long having this sort of 
uh, angst, you know, rightfully so, because she's just trying to play by the rules, even though a lot of her bosses aren't. You know, she'll travel to three or four different uh, companies a day doing fit modeling. So she'll show up to different fashion designers and studios and try on their clothes and tell them what fits, what doesn't. She's That's kind of what she does. So, you know, she's got to work with people that don't wear their mask because they, they think they're fine, and she's the one actually exposing herself to all these different scenarios. So when we got vaccinated last month, the first dose one month ago, she had this outpouring emotional response to it. And Tasha's the type, she'll explain it to you. She's a warrior. She's not going to cry when, you know, she's not going to cry in certain circumstances. She keeps a lot on the inside. But when she does cry, it's a flood. And after she, and she'll tell you this, it's not something to be ashamed of. Crying, I think, is just one of the healthiest things you can do just to get those emotions out. It's like the quicker you can detoxify yourself and cry and let it out, the quicker you can sort of get past that storm and have a good kind of vibe to you. So after the first dose, the vaccine, she immediately just had this moment. And it's like anything. You can tell about two seconds before someone's going to cry. You can almost feel that wave of emotions this like intuitive feeling where she's about to break down. And sure, sure enough, she had just this moment of what this last year has meant to her. And I didn't cry on, in the same way when I got my shot, but I did take a moment after you get your shot, if you haven't already, at least the way they do it at Dodger Stadium, is they'll give about 10 cars in a row the vaccine, and then they'll wait 15 minutes for those cars to make sure people aren't having a reaction where they're going to drive off the road. And then you have this 15-minute time period after you've gotten the vaccine where you're just sitting there surrounded by thousands of cars, and it's just a very interesting moment. I mean, we live in a world where we have TikTok and Instagram reels and nonstop coverage of politics. We don't experience the quiet unless we seek it in a lot of cases. So for us to have this quiet moment where we just felt the gravity of the last year and felt what it may, what it means to sort of get to the end of this journey with our vaccine, it meant a lot. We got our second dose this past week. I got mine two days ago. I was fully expecting to be out for the count and have a real lousy reaction as Tasha did, but I ended up being okay. So I feel fine. My arm's a little sore, uh, but um, I feel good, and we're excited to start podcasting again with friends and and, and keep creating and challenging ourselves and, and all that jazz. So much appreciation to everyone who's been out there and supported us. Cause I understand it's not, a, you know, I understand that by, by not having my normal setup that it can be, you know, whatever, if not exactly what you're expecting. Some people love the solo episodes. Some people don't. I hope that you guys, you know, for those that have stuck around, cause it, look, I stopped listening to at least 70% of the podcast I used to listen to. I no longer commute to work. I have no reason to to do that. So I understand our own podcast and the dips that we've had in downloads. And it can feel futile at times trying to produce the show knowing we don't do this for money. 
you know, the Patreon exists and we, that's our sole podcast income is through the Patreon. So I want to shout out all the Patreon members. Thank you guys so much. We have had some growth with the Patreon as people have found my YouTube channel. There's definitely been some runoff and some, some supporters there. And I appreciate you guys so much. This episode audio only is of course free across all podcast platforms. The video is up on the Patreon. So if you want to go and watch what I'm going to get into in this video, I'm recording it on my live stream gear and only Patreon members can see that unlisted YouTube video. Go to patreon.com slash the sap. So I wanted to give everyone a shout out for, you know, how much it means because it really does. We, we always, we take the money that comes from the Patreon and we invest it back into telling the story. And I think now to get all kind of gear techie on you guys, I think my next purchase for the podcast. So how, how I shoot the video version of the podcast is I set up three cameras and I record them all separately. And then afterwards, I have to edit them like every take. I have to re-listen to the whole episode. And, and it's it's a lot. It's To say it's burdensome, I mean, it is. it could be somebody's full day job. So that doesn't really work for us. But they make a device, I think they sell it for a couple hundred dollars, that essentially plugs in all of the different cameras into one switcher. And then live on the spot, you can choose which angle you want to switch to, and then it automatically shows up as a final product, like a live taping. I think that's what I'm going to be doing moving forward. So I can record all of these episodes and not be burdened by the ridiculous amount of post-production. Because even if it's going to cost me an extra couple hundred bucks, if it makes it quicker in the long term, that just might be the answer. So um, I look forward to being able to show off our new outdoor setup. I mean, it really has like a cool Palm Springs vibe to it. So I think if we get the right microphone arms that clamp to the couch, um, people can just hang out, share their stories, and we're going to get like a little outdoor fridge. We've got the fire pit. So maybe if we do evening podcast episodes, we can do it in front of the fire pit. We definitely want to make it a feeling, a vibe. So it's uh, with much pleasure that I thank all of you guys for sticking around. And then for those video episodes, I mean... I might have to create another YouTube channel, which I hate to say it because this is so annoying. But you guys know my YouTube channel has taken off with Bachelor-related news. Um, it's taken off like crazy. One to two and a half million views a month, 15 million impressions. I mean, new people are finding me, which some people hate me, some people love me. But um, it's been an incredible opportunity out there. But because YouTube now knows that I am a Bachelor commentator... All non-related Bachelor stuff gets zero views. It gets zero love. So I've got, so it's almost a hindrance to put my podcast up on my own YouTube channel versus creating a completely new YouTube channel because people um, aren't, you know, because the people that don't want to watch the podcast now lower the viewer duration for the people that do. So even though the podcast has been very successful online, because people, a lot of people that work at you know home or whatever, they just want to turn their YouTube on because it's been successful on the video version. Um, it's not showing up that way because it's still a smaller percentage than people that watch The Bachelor. I don't know if that makes sense. So what I might have to do is create a whole new channel, which is going to take some time for it to monetize and all that jazz. But that just might be something I have to do moving forward. So I'm considering new ways to rebrand the SAP. I'm considering new ways to kind of get my you know. It's always been my child and Tasha joins when she wants to, but you know, Tasha's got a busy life on her own. So if she's slammed with work and can't 
make time to do it. I just got to keep the show going. So that that's what it's all about, folks. So anyway, that's the state of the Dave. And um, yeah, so this episode, the video version's only on Patreon. But yeah, moving forward, once we have the outdoor set up, we start having guests again, I'm going to have to consider if I want that to be on YouTube or how I want that to work. You know, I just made my vlog channel a separate channel on YouTube. And same same story with the vlogs. They weren't getting much love on my channel because YouTube only would recommend my Bachelor content. Well, I make the vlog channel. It immediately, in less than a month, gets 1,200 subscribers. It only needs 1,000 to get monetized. And then it needs 4,000 watch hours, which it's about one-third the way there. So some people spend years trying to get their channels monetized. That channel's well on its way. And, you know, hopefully it gets to some tipping point where YouTube starts recommending it you know, on a greater level and we can have more fun there. And, uh, you know, the more people that can, that can watch content, the more I can do with it. If, a, if I'm producing, you know, a podcast and no one's watching it on YouTube, then it's like, what are we even doing this for when I can produce something else that's going to do well? So it kind of comes down to breathing into what's working, but also trying to diversify my YouTube stocks as it were by not just having bachelor content. Cause when that goes, you know, what else are you going to watch when there's no more bachelor? So that's where it's at folks. That's what's going on. So I've got a, um, tabs open here with relationship advice questions. So I thought for this segment, I would do relationship advice questions and let's, um, let's play some, a little bumper to, so I can have a sip of coffee and get into it. So let's cover, these are Reddit relationship advice questions right now. All right. The first one is by a lady who's 28 years old. She says her husband who's 34, got caught in her sister's bedroom at 4 a.m. All right, we need some backstory here. Background. We have been married for nine and a half years. That's real. That's a long time if she's only 28. And know each other for 11 and a half. He had questionable behavior in 2017, 2019, and now. In 2019, I stated if he betrayed me again, I'm gone. So she felt betrayed in 2019. Let's see if she explains why. I'll try to make it brief. Me and my sister and her kids all live in the same house. My sister told me this morning she was sleeping at about 4 a.m. She was woken up and sensed a person by her bed. She turned on the bedside light and asked, what are you doing here? He gave some excuse about hearing a noise and came to investigate. Well, I don't believe it for a second due to I asked him if he slept well and he said no due to the trip we're taking today. He didn't mention anything about what happened last night. Yeah, I'm on a trip with his mother now and visiting his in-laws. I don't want to confront him with this now and the whole week will be there. So now I have a secret. My guess as to what he was doing creeping around her bedroom is 90% recording her sleeping. 10% chance could be him planting a secret audio recorder or camera. These guesses are because he had the previous bad records. What? Due to these suspicions, I will not allow him back in the house for the peace of mind of my sister. And even our marriage may be gone. Crazy because yesterday I was the happiest girl. I've already given him two chances before and thought he had ref reformed and become an honest partner. I have not let on today at all during our eight-hour drive that I have this secret. At times I come close to tears, but I'm in control for now. I dread the blowout when we get back. He will be doing everything in his power to stop me from kicking him out or separating like the previous times in 2017 and 2019. I don't fear for my safety, but I'm afraid it will get very ugly. Our finances are intertwined. Should I try to withdraw all the money and tell him to leave? I also can't drive. We have only a few thousand in our joint bank account and we co-own a business. I'm very lost and need advice. Yikes. 
I mean, this is, I mean, when you own a business together, when your finances are intertwined, it's like, that's when, that's when it can become tough because of the power dynamic there. Um, yeah, he does. I mean, the fact that he, so this is the, this is the advice that's, uh, that was most well received online. Uh, here's how to get out of this situation safely. Play along until you get back home. This this will suck. Number two, when you're back, coordinate what you're doing with your sister. She'll need to take some precautions against him creeping her again. Go and see a lawyer. Work out what you need to do. This might include some snooping through the business finances. Build up a store of cash to keep you going. Then separate permanently. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've already been had trust issues in the past. The fact that he's going in her room, I mean, it's almost like if you really wanted to catch the guy, put, you know, some sort of um, security camera in her room. But who knows? Maybe he only does it once in a while, which doesn't make it right, but it might make it hard to catch him again. Very creepy that this, uh, that you know, but also wild because I think we're going to see a trend here with a lot of... Um, I think we're going to see a trend here with a lot of these tabs that I have opened of relationships where you live with people that aren't your partner. Not to say that this guy isn't at fault. For sure he is. But the idea of like living with your girlfriend of 10 years or your wife of 10 years and her sister is a little bit strange to me. So this is a new one here. Here we have, um, should I, a 32-year-old female, be worried about my husband's 39-year-old male co-worker who's a 21-year-old female. So your husband's working with someone who's a lot younger than him, almost half his age. Here's what you have to say. I can't figure out if this is my own insecurity or if I should really be watching this woman around my husband. They are co-workers but different departments. She's come over a few times with other co-workers for drinks after work. She has a long-term boyfriend but has also mentioned looking for a girlfriend. So I'm not sure if her relationship is rocky or an open relationship. My husband is very flirty by nature. He spent most of his teen mid-20s working as a server, and while it was cute, harmless flirting with an 80-year-old woman, I've had to help him see that it's taken a bit different when you're flirting with a woman your own age or younger. So this coworker and a few others came over earlier this week to decompress after a long work day. I'm not going to lie and pretend she doesn't make me feel insecure at times. She's 10 years younger than me and has a great body. So we were all sitting around when the start, when she started talking about her past relationships and started bragging about how she used to sleep with her ex-boyfriend's father as a teen. Yikes. While she was with the ex-boyfriend and some prior bosses she had fooled around with. Oh, so she's talked about bosses she's fooled around with. Clearly, uh, if she slept with her boyfriend's father. Yikes. Then the conversation goes to the new work cameras and how she's upset they're putting cameras in the parking lot because she's had sex in the parking lot so many times because they weren't cameras before. Every time this coworker comes over, the conversation seems to turn sexual. I chalked it up to immaturity, attention seeking, but then she rubbed me the wrong way when she made a comment about my husband being her spirit animal when he made a joke as he was walking out of the room, then watched him light her cigarette for her later on that night when we were all sitting around the fire. That little gesture gesture really annoyed me because he doesn't do little sweet things like that for me. We've been married so long that I am an afterthought when it comes to romance. So I did address it with him and let him know I wasn't comfortable with how he acted around her and how his flirting makes me feel. Our conversation felt good, but I don't know if it's if I'm just overreacting or if I should keep an eye on this girl. It is depressing as hell, but I just can't rely on my husband not to cheat. He's almost 40 and insecure about his aging. I try so hard to make him... to. to to make him see how sexy he is to me, but I'm sure at a hot young 21-year-old sounds better than a 32-year-old with mom pudge. I'm just feeling nervous, but I'm not sure it's warranted. The woman has always been nice to me when I've been around her. I just don't know. 
Edit, just to give some background info, husband has been unfaithful in the past. First time was in the very first few months of our relationship, then found out years later he had been sexting with random women online. I've, confront, I've confronted, him, confronted him, and we've been working on reconciliation for the past two years. He says he's not interested in this girl. I just wasn't sure if I was looking too far into her behavior. I already told my husband his behavior toward her seemed inappropriate. He apologized. I don't want to make things awkward if I am making more of it than it really is, but I just wasn't sure. No, 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 no. I mean, it seems, it seems suspect. It seems a little suspect. You got a big age difference. You got him having been unfaithful before, not physically cheating, but maybe sexting. It's almost like, um, there might be some energy there with him. And this is my, this might be common for a lot of guys where he just wants to feel like he can still hang with the younger women. You know, I think you see this a lot with guys where like they'll just want to get, you know, they'll, they'll just want to feel like they still got the fastball, even if they don't. You know, I'm turning 36 next week. I don't have my fastball anymore. I've got a couple off-speed pitches. I can paint the corners. But um, the idea you know what be, might be a good book for you is The Superior Man, which talks about the, uh, the, re- the reasons why you shouldn't fear like, uh, like a youthful female energy. Um, but that comes with having trust that your husband's not going to cheat. You know, if, the, if your husband um, can, can feel the young feminine energy of his coworker, not cheat, not disrespect you, and then come home and give you that that resurgent energy, then that's a good thing. That's what the, the, the superior man teaches. Um, but you know, you made it sound like he doesn't see you as he doesn't do the little things for you, like lighting the cigarette. It's very interesting how something as simple as like lighting a cigarette can mean so much because you see the, you see that as like a separate relationship. Like he's providing for somebody else. Why aren't you providing for me? So at the very least, um, I don't think your feelings are not valid. I think you feel the way you do because you feel like you're not getting your love language filled. And that's a conversation where he's got to learn to take care of his lady first and make sure you feel like you're brimming with love and sexiness. Come on, 32 with some pudge. What's, what's wrong with that? You know what I mean? All right, let's move it down the list. Me and my wife got married, ended up broke and needed a roommate. All these stories are about having roommates. A friend moved in, and now I feel like the third wheel. So this guy's only 20. Oh, they're so young. He's 20, and his wife's 21. They got married last month. We, so now the roommate makes sense. I mean, I had a roommate till I was 30. I literally went from living with a bunch of bros to moving in with Tasha. I never lived alone. <laughs> now I got my little office here. I guess that counts. Uh, I'm 20, and my wife's 21. We got married last month. We've been together for three and a half years total, and I love her more than anything, and I know she feels the same. But after the honeymoon, we had no cash, and we are in a good bit of debt. So a good friend of hers, a 20-year-old male that I'm also friends with, moved in temporarily to help us get back on our feet. Problem is, he's only been here a week, and I already feel really neglected and jealous. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a guy. It's another guy here. You know, sharing towels and showers. Yeah, I don't know. Sketchy. And you guys are so young. The main problem, I think, is that they work together. He got her the job as a favor for me, 
And that was really cool before, but now I wake up and see her for about an hour before I leave for work. Half an hour after I leave, they go to work. My wife drives because he doesn't have a license. I get home before them and I'm alone for a bit. Then they get back and go sit in a lounge room and start watching TV. If I'm doing anything else, it doesn't matter. They still go together in there. They will stop for dinner, then keep going until bedtime. Wash, rinse, repeat. It's getting to the point where I feel like the third wheel in the relationship. And if I want to see my wife, I have to also be with him. But if I try and do anything other than watch TV, I'm losing her to him. I'd honestly love some advice on what I should do because I'm at a loss. He's only been here a week and we need the cash, but fuck, I can't stand the sight of him anymore. I don't want to feel like I have to compete for my wife's attention anymore. Oh, brother. Do I feel that? Not wanting to compete for somebody's attention. Look, first and foremost, you have to let her know how you feel. You have to absolutely let her know how you feel. I'll bring this up. I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up, but I brought it up on the YouTube. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. The Four Agreements are very simple. It's a book. You guys can purchase this, and it, it kind of applies to this Reddit question. Here are the four, ingre- uh, the four agreements. I'm going to read them to you. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. So the first one, be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. So with regards to your situation, you got to tell her how you feel. Don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstanding, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. So she works with this guy. They have a lot in common from work, and maybe they feel like they need to be with each other to de-stress. Well, maybe you and her can go on a walk after she gets home from work. Find out what it is that you can do and find out what it is she's looking for because you'll have you'll be able to find middle ground where the two of you guys can sort of relate and i mean if if this guy turns into something more it's almost like what are you going to do you got you, you know you might not feel this way cuz you you know we've been together for a couple of years we love each other but it's like bro you're 20 you know the fact that you got another guy in the place doesn't that's not a scenario that should rip you guys apart but you know, there's going to be other times when you're going to have to balance each other's time if you have kids or other situations working on different schedules. And it all comes down to communicating and finding that quality time, not time where you just get home at the end of the day and sit on the couch together, but find that quality time together. All right. Girlfriend wants her much older friend to live with us. Another one. My first ever post. I've been with my current girlfriend for 12 months now and things are going steady. There's been talk of her moving in with myself for a few months now, which I was quite happy to consider. She currently lives with a friend in a place of their own, though her housemate is 65 years old and my girlfriend is 29. This is where the issue starts. They've lived together for eight years and have been through good and the bad. My girlfriend claims she can't imagine living without her friend. Of course, we're all wondering, is it a guy or a girl? My girlfriend has put to... For, My girlfriend has put forward an idea. I totally see this coming. She asked if her friend can come and live with us too, and I should consider all aspects of it before declining. There's only one positive that can come from this, and that is my girlfriend coming to live with me sooner. Apart from that, there are no advantages to this scenario. Well, I mean, it could cut down on rent. I own a two-bedroom house, and I have my kids every weekend. So the second bedroom is naturally theirs. Supposedly, her friend could have that bedroom and the kids can sleep downstairs on the weekends I have them. I know what everyone is thinking. No, there's kids involved. No, this is a flat no. 
you know, for her to even, you know, try to pull this one by you. This is a no. You got a two bedroom. You got kids. They don't need to know who the 65 year old is. Like they call you grandma. You know, did I forget to mention she'd be bringing three cats with her too? cat hair irritates my breathing when I'm around it long enough. If this did go ahead, I'd lose my privacy room and sex would probably go downhill because my girlfriend would be conscious that her friend might hear us. There's a lot more negatives, but I don't want to drone on and on. My girlfriend is very outspoken, loud, and doesn't hold back with her opinions, and I think this is going to cause an argument between us because I've already made up my mind on it all. It's a big, fat no. I would rather be single than feel unhappy in my own house. Is that a harsh thought? 100% not a harsh thought. I love that you have that feeling. I'm so codependent. I would probably just build an addition and be like, all right, bring your friend, bring the cats. We'll make it work. I'll just be itching myself from the uh, allergies. You said, I would rather be single than feel unhappy in my own house. I wish this feeling for more people that, and again, not to say you should be stubborn. Like there's always a time in relationships to sort of um, come together and, and, and all that. And, um, you know, but this is a scenario in which it's like, you know that this isn't a winning scenario. She's either going to have to like, I mean, at what point is the 65 year when the, when the person dies, they didn't mention the sex of the 65 year old, but you know, it's, it's one of those things you got, you know, roommates come and they go, you know, you, if you're looking for a life partner, you should be looking for someone that you're going to invest each other in. And that shouldn't come with the baggage. And some people might say, well, you've got kids. That's your baggage. She's got a 65 year old friend. She can't leave. And it's like, there is a difference there. These kids, these kids need a, a home that kind of makes sense. This feels like a weird sitcom. Like I could see a world if you have a four bedroom house where there's a 65 year old who lives in the um, converted garage in the back. Sure. But if you're replacing the kid's bedroom, no, no, no. These kids are only going to grow up and they're, you know, and then your ex is going to use that against you, you know, possibly to be like, all right, you know, the kids, you know, then, you know, you have to consider the ex because your ex, like, like change it around. What if you gave your kids to your ex and then your ex had a new partner move in and that partner, 65 year old friend, it's like, who did you vet this person? Who are they? So it's a big fat. No, you got to have the conversation though. You might have to, you might have to find a way to set a boundary and draw lines without her feeling like it's it's a my way or the highway. You know what I mean? I feel like that's it's like an it's like an inception. You have to let her know in one way or another, hey, that's just not gonna fly for me and let hum and let her come to terms with it. Uh, because it sounds like she, you know, she wants to make sure you've considered it. So yeah, take the time, consider it, even if it's a big fat no, just still consider the option so you can at least give her that respect and hopefully she can give you the respect of knowing that's just not in your reality. Uh, Good on you for setting those boundaries. Based on her recent Google searches, I believe my wife, 28, thinks I'm 30, cheating on her. How can I reassure her I'm not? Well, this is fascinating because, you know, you know me with my YouTube, I search so many random things. This week, Colton Underwood came out of the closet. So I was searching how to come out of the closet. And I told Tasha, I was like, look, in the off chance you're ever like auditing my web browser, I'm searching how to come out of the closet, not because I'm going to leave you for a guy, but because I'm researching uh, coming out of the closet for a video I'm making. Uh, So anyway... It's, is it normal? I guess the question is, is it normal for a wife to think you're cheating on her? Um, I know with my relationship, we've never really called each other out. 
Like we've never really accused each other of cheating on each other. And we try to give each other as much honesty as like where we are, what we're doing. And it feels pretty good. It feels pretty good not being with someone like, you know, Tasha and I have our own issues, but it's, but they don't center around her not trusting me. Uh, trust is good. She knows if I'm going to do stand up or doing something, she knows that like I'm coming home to her. She trusts that I'm not cheating on her, which is good because, you know, that's, that's a good, healthy place to be. There's nothing worse than wondering what your significant other is doing. That is, that is literally my, my, you know, seventh level of hell. Um, so how the, the question becomes, how can this guy, um, how can this guy reassure his lady that he's not cheating on her? He said, we've been together for eight years and married for three. We have a two-year-old daughter. Our relationship is pretty good and we usually communicate our feelings and concerns pretty well, or so I thought. And I love my wife so much. She was one of the hottest girls in our high school. We know each other since we were 15 and she's caring and kind and responsible. Now let's get to the problem. So last night I borrowed my wife's laptop for work. I went on to search something on her laptop. And when I saw her recent searches, I was shocked. Every single one of them was about me cheating on her. My husband has been cheating on, has been chatting on his phone a lot lately. What does that mean? My husband doesn't give me attention at all. Is he cheating? 10 signs that means you're being cheated on. My husband isn't as romantic as he used to be. Signs that your partner doesn't love you anymore. My husband has been coming home late recently. Is he cheating? My husband with high sex drive won't initiate sex. Is he cheating? And etc. I'm confused why she thinks I'm cheating on her a lot. A lot of her questions can be simply answered. It's because work and life has been stressful. No, it's no excuse. I have to pay attention to my wife. It's my responsibility. But still, I'm trying to secure the future of our family. Should I talk to her about it? What should I say? I need advice. Please help. How can I reassure her? I still love her. I know this will sound wrong, but I love her even more than our daughter. I'm not going to cheat on her. That doesn't sound wrong at all. I mean, you can love your daughter and your wife in separate ways. The heart doesn't need to know one's more important than the other. Um... It's, it's interesting here. I had a similar scenario when I was driving for Uber. Um, you know, you're basically like an indentured servant when you're driving for Uber. You, you, all, you, you can only make enough money to keep your car on the road. You're making like 15 bucks an hour and then you're paying for your own gas and then, you know, car issues, whatever. I was working like 40 to 50 hours a week and I was so exhausted at the end of the day working these long days, still doing stand-up comedy. I was so exhausted. My sex life went into the shitter because how can you, how can you enjoy the good parts of life when you're so swimming in the deep end? So I totally understand that. And I understand your feeling. Like you said, you're trying to secure the future of your family. I've had this conversation with Tasha where I go, look, I know you want to spend more time with me, but just so you know, what I'm doing is an investment for us, whether it be working extra hard on YouTube videos or stand-up comedy. It's all like building equity into our lives. So I've had to learn how to control my obsessive workaholic vibe with my at-home vibe and realize there's no point in working a thousand percent of the time if you're not going to enjoy the ride with somebody. So I don't know if there's a way for you to like lay off work a little bit, but you need to work with her to figure out how to fill each other's love wells. That's what it comes down to. Um, in my personal anecdotal experience, I think women appreciate quality time more than guys do. I, I, it's just a genetic thing. I think that men, like you're off hunting, you're off, you know, as long as you know you got your woman back home, you can go build that, you know, business, whatever that you're doing. That's just my thought. Of course, it varies in everybody. Um, so for me, like, I don't love, I don't love quality time with Tasha. It doesn't mean I don't love her. I love her to death, but like, that's not my thing. I can be gone at work all day and she'll be like, when the hell are you coming home? And it's like, well, I'm working, honey. I'm doing this for us. So I've had to kind of come to terms with negotiating, 
uh, what's best for us and, and how to, and how to do a little bit of both, but also explaining to her, Hey, this is, I'm in, I, I'm investing in us for till death do us part. So I'm just trying to make rain while the, you know, whatever, <laughs> make whiskey while the sun, whatever this, this stupid thing is. But you're also going to have to address the fact that you innocently stumbled upon her search history. You should sit down with her and say, there's something I want to talk about. Do you have the emotional time for like a half an hour conversation? Because you don't want to spring something on someone when they just don't have the time. So whatever you're doing, get done. You don't have to be like cryptic with it. Like I'd love to talk, dot, dot, dot. So like, look, there's something I want to get off my chest and talk about, but I want to make sure I respect you and myself enough to provide a nice little cushion to do that. So if you don't mind, let me know when you've got some free time. And then you sit down and you go, look, I stumbled upon this. I was using your computer. I see your search results. Before you even say anything, I just want to say I am unequivocally not cheating on you. Unequivocally. With that said, I want you to feel that way. So take ownership over what you could have done that caused her to react that way. You can't control what's going in going on in her mind, but if she's thinking she's being cheated on, then there is a disconnect there, and that's where you need to address the scenario. Chances are if you do it with enough space, grace, and love, she's going to say, I'm sorry. It's just, I, I've, you know, I've been wanting to lose weight and I've been insecure. And it's going to be about her. And then you're going to say, no, look, honey, I understand. I want to make more time for us. Let's get a little weekend getaway. Let's start planning it out. Let's get something on the calendar. You know, that's, that's part of the management of the relationship. Great question. And good on you for saying you're not going to cheat on her ever. Good on you. Found, here's another one. New one about a little boss uh, employer relations here. Found my wife making out with her boss. Need help to process his explanation. After the incident, I tried, and I'm still trying to focus and save my shattered family. However, what I thought was irrelevant at the time was his apology and his plea to me to not say anything. His explanation was that his wife was okay with these types of incidents and rather not know about them. He further explained that he and my wife have important roles at work, and if anything happens, the company's fall could harm many more people. I'd like to think that I can be strong enough to contain it, but I'm struggling. Well, I mean, look, you found found your wife making out with her boss, so whether you don't need to crash the company, there's no point. There's no point in making her go broke over it, especially if you have kids at all. Um, uh, so, so when it comes down to it, I think you need to not worry at all about the boss and whatever situation he's put himself into and worry about getting yourself out of that relationship. If, if it, if it comes down to you not wanting to be cheated on, um, I don't have much else to say about that. All right. We got a couple more here. Let's bang these out. So my family, this is from a 28 year old female plan to skip my wedding because they hate the groom, a 31-year-old male. All right, your family doesn't like the groom. Let's find out why. As, as my fiance and I are starting to plan our wedding, you know, it's, uh, I, there's, I don't think there's anyone in my family or my fiance's family who don't love us unequivocally. Is that the right word? Unequivocally? Unequivocably? Ugh, public school education, folks. Anyway, let's read this one. I went to university as a mature student, started at 22. I took a few years between sixth form and uni, whatever, I don't, this must be British, because I had a baby, Teddy, currently eight months. In my second year of uni, when I was 23, 24, I met Ryan, who was then 27-year-old male, who was hired as a lecturer. 
It was his first year of teaching anywhere, and I hated him at first. He was nervous and overcompensated by acting like a wanker, and I was not impressed. By my third and final year, he eased up a lot and was genuinely nice. The turning point was when Teddy got sent home, and I emailed Ryan to say I'd be missing his lecture. He suggested I bring Teddy with me. He was only four at the time and very easily bored, and Ryan spent the lecture alternating between helping us and entertaining Teddy. To be clear, this was about six months of him acting like a wanker and then a year of, in a bit of him being a genu- genuinely great guy. The whole time, I was having regular phone calls from my parents. They noticed a shift from me ranting about Ryan every chance I got to singing his praises. A few months after I graduated, I ran into Ryan in a coffee shop and invited him to sit with me and Teddy. We talked for a bit and I gave him my number. It was platonic for a few weeks until he said that he hoped this wasn't too forward, but he'd asked a couple of hypothetical questions at the university and if I wanted to date... And then we would be allowed. I told him it was very forward, and so he was lucky he's cute. I didn't tell my parents we were dating until a few months in, which is also when Ryan officially told the university, and about six months after my graduation. We've now been together two years. We've been the butt of a few jokes, which we've been fine with, but my parents and siblings immediately came down hard on Ryan due to how we met and what I told him about Ryan throughout his first year of teaching. They also seemed to think that when I started being nice about him in my third year was when things began with us. We've made clear to everyone that he's not really a wanker, how the timeline works, and Ryan has done his best to impress them. They've even grilled Teddy over his feelings on Ryan and tried to feed him answers. I've shut him da- I have shut this down, but their feelings towards Ryan remain mostly negative. Ryan proposed at New Year's with Teddy's help. I said, yes, we're planning the wedding. And when I asked my mother for help she uh, with the guest list regarding my family, she said not to bother as no one wants to come, including her, dad, and my siblings. The only person likely to come is my brother, but that's it for my whole extended family solely because they don't like Ryan. Is there anything that can be done at this stage, something we can do on our end to get them to come? Is this the point where I should just give up and tell the lot of them to F off? I don't know if this is British or, or where this is from, but I love I love the term wanker. And should I tell the lot of them to F off? Wow, I mean, what a terrible situation you're in that you've given this guy an extra chance and yet the family still sees him for the initial reaction of to who he was. I mean, it sounds pretty clear that as you've gotten to know the guy, you guys have opened up and love each other and um, you should want the family to embrace in that. It says more about your family than it does about him, to be quite honest. I remember when my um, someone very close to my family what, uh, wanted to propose to... Um, someone wanted to propose to someone very close to my family and, and you got to ask the father and the father said no. The father did not give his blessing, which was wild. Um, as it turns out, they ended up getting married and everyone looks back on that sort of as saying, you know, it's hard to talk about because I'm trying to be a little bit vague here, but essentially the guy changed everybody's minds. He turned out to be a pretty good guy, a good provider, a good father, and everyone's preconceived notions about him were wrong. The point is, is we paint people into a box as to who they are and we think we know better and we'll sort of use judgment within our family in a way we would never with strangers or, or pleasant uh, acquaintances. So when it comes to someone, if you think you're being protective of your daughter, you know, in this case, in this scenario, it's like, look, you need to embrace. It's like if you love your daughter and you think you've raised her right you knew you need to embrace who she decides to fall in love with. And if one day Ryan becomes a wanker, you don't say, I told you so. You just buy some ice cream and you watch some rom-coms with your daughter. I mean, that's just all it is. Too many parents, I feel like, come from a place where they think they know better. And the truth is, is nobody knows better. 
Two more questions here. Here's a good one. Let me get a sip of coffee first. Wife resents me for weight loss. Weird thing, I know. We're both 30 and recently decided we had to drop weight. Boy, I know that story. The start was tough, but after a month of trying, we finally started to discipline ourselves. I already know how this is going to go. You're going to lose weight and she's not because I think it's harder for women to lose weight than it is for men. In some cases, not always true, but in some cases... And I think that's why she's going to resent you. I'm just calling it. That's what happens. Things haven't been, and it's not always this way. My mom has lost a ton of weight and my stepdad hasn't. And, you know, it's not always this way. But I think sometimes guys can just drop weight easy. Things uh, haven't been easy for her. She just hasn't been able to shed what she's wanted. Not for lack of trying. She's been doing all the same things I've been doing. This is where frustration sets in for me. My weight loss is noticeable. Her friends ask how much I've dropped, and last week it just set her off to the point where she started bringing me down in front of her friends. Sometimes he just doesn't eat. I don't know why he's so skinny. He ate blank two times this week. Doesn't he look weird now? So she's definitely defensive about her lack of weight loss, and she's kind of lashing it at you. You said, I'm not soft-skinned, but this is very out of character for her, especially to come down on me like that. Now every morning starts off with a fight. She says she just doesn't want to be fat anymore. Any suggestion or question I have is followed by short, snappy answers and as her leaving the room almost dramatically. I'm nearing the end of my rope. I should be happy right now. I've wanted to lose this weight for so long, and it's finally happening. I walked out of the house this morning after our morning fight. I just don't know how to help out anymore. It seems like anything I do that I think is helpful is the opposite. I don't even really want to help any anymore knowing the reaction I'm going to get. We tried to lose weight. I did. My wife didn't. Now she's seemingly hostile towards me. Look, obviously this is on her, but also guys, we're like fix it. You know, we like to fix things. So she might want you to just be compassionate about her struggle and not be like, honey, maybe do more planks. You know what I mean? I'm that same way too. We're like with Tasha and I, I'm like, hey, I want to go do some, I'm going to go do some squats. Want to do squats with me? And she's like, don't ever like, that's insulting to her because she reads that as me saying, I don't love you for who you are. And it's like, I love you for who you are. I just want you to be the happiest version of yourself that you can be. And if that means we decide not to eat pasta for a week to get our bodies like a few pounds less, so be it, you know, but it's couples. Yeah, I've, I, I got some comedy friends who talk about this on stage about how like they'll lose weight and then the, the wife doesn't or vice versa, whatever the case may be. And it's like, look, all you can do is be happy for your changes that you're making and lead that healthy lifestyle. And maybe it'll rub off on her, but maybe don't try to help her in a way that's saying, oh, this is how I lost weight. This is what you should do. She's gonna be like, well, you know, why don't I just eat a tapeworm? You know what I mean? So I think... I think um, you're kind of in that damned if I do, damned if I don't, but try to be happy with your weight loss. Try to feel good. And if it rubs off on her, great. And if it doesn't, it just shows you more about her character. It's a struggle she's having. It's a struggle that we all have as we cope with getting older and not being able to eat what we used to want to eat when we were kids. I mean, we've seen this with the pandemic. Like, I'm trying to loosen another five pounds, you know. I lost a bunch of muscle mass earlier this year because I, I would go for runs, but I was eating pasta every night, you know. all The, the, the first half of the pandemic, cooking a great big meal every night was like a Sunday dinner. I never do this, but I'm about to sneeze. I can feel it coming. Oh, boy, it's hard to talk Maybe it won't. Now that I mentioned it, the sneeze isn't going to come. All right. So let's go to our final question here. Pardon me. Um, I think I already read this one. Oh, you know what? That's it. Those are all the questions that I that I prepared. Every time a coworker comes up, 
Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, folks. Let me know what you guys think. If you wanted to watch this video, it's on uh, you on the Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash thesap. And if anyone's a listener and hasn't already, it's always good to leave us a nice review. Hit the subscribe button and check out my other YouTube content. I got my vlogs up. I just, like I mentioned before, I'll promote it again. I just started my vlog channel. If you haven't watched it yet, you got to go over. Just search Dave Neal Vlogs. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast, but just search Dave Neal Vlogs and you can go see. I think we've got four episodes up. I got all my old vlog miss episodes up and you know I'm just trying to share my life as a filmmaker and what's crazy too is I was saying this to Tasha I was like look we don't have side jobs anymore what we do like her and her modeling world and me with YouTube and stand-up and podcasting this is it and one of the reasons we haven't really seriously considered having kids is because we're just not there financially and I don't say this as a as a way to make people feel guilty, things are on the up and up. Things are, have been a lot better. The YouTube's taking off. And we're finally like, oh, could you essentially leave your high-paying modeling jobs and have a kid? Is this a possibility? Is this something we, we want to do? The, the pros to it all are that we both, I work from home, so I could essentially do what I'm doing and also raise a child and not be at work on a nine to five every day. And then I could go do stand up shows and, you know, it, it could be a decent setup. My younger brother, who's in his uh, early to mid twenties, just had a baby, which is shocking. And, and I'm an uncle again, and the baby looks so beautiful and I love what they're doing. And you do get a little bit of a bug to go, man, I'm turning 36. Tasha's, you know, only a couple years younger than me. This is something we need to start looking into. Well, my thought with the vlog and with all that we're doing is I've got to double down on myself, on the equity and the investment in my story and know that it will take off the message I'm trying to send, you know, of laughter and positivity and, and you know, whatever irreverent humor I have that there is an audience out there and I just need to convince YouTube to promote my channel to them. And when YouTube and podcasting is able to wire the connection between me and the people that want to see me and we can vibe. It doesn't have to be a crazy big audience. Whenever I kind of carve out that niche, 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 niche. I think niche is the proper French way to say it. Whenever I can carve out that niche, there'll be enough of a following there that will afford us the chance to start that family. So we're starting to think about it. And again, I don't mean that in any way whatsoever to put guilt on people. It's just, this is why you hustle when you pursue your own goals, when you don't have like a boss and a 401k, this is why you hustle and you pursue it like someone with their head on fire pursues a pool of water. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way to make life happen. And in today's world, uh, birth rates are going down. My generation isn't having kids. And it makes sense. We've been in crisis after crisis from the 2007, you know, recession to, you know, that happened right when I got out of college and then you start to get your footing and then the next thing happens. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a tough ride. You know, we don't have that American dream kind of nailed in. So by getting the success I've started to get on YouTube, it's been fantastic. The Patreon, it's been fantastic. And I think um, when I can prove that the vlog is going to be something that's sustainable, we might have a, you know, we might, we're starting to look at that next, next step. So it seems crazy to say, but that's what it comes down to is the statistics of what I do online is sort of, and I don't say this as a limitation. Like we're going to, if we decide we want to have kids, we're going to make it work. But the point is, is that it's 
starting to become a reality because I'm not doing the 50 hour a week side job Ubering. I'm starting to make a little bit more, more money sharing my character online. And for that, I thank everyone who's been a part of that. You're literally all in honorary aunt and uncle. So thank you guys all so much for that. That's going to be it for me this episode. Slide into my DMs at dneals on Instagram, D-N-E-A-L-Z, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. And of course, Dave Neal Vlogs is the YouTube vlog channel. You can go check that out. And I will see you next week. Everyone have a great Friday. Oh, I'm playing the wrong song. Everyone, hold on. That's my YouTube song. Everyone have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Do something I wouldn't do and then some. Bye now.